Welcome to the Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot of what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Manash. On today's show, we're talking about what happens when a neighborhood goes downhill. As real estate developers, we're always thinking about improving things. But what happens when things go bad in a neighborhood and quickly? When you hear something like, there goes the neighborhood, many people think some undesirable people have moved in. That's not what we're talking about. People are people, and they all have the right to live on this planet. We're talking about the abrupt destruction of property value with the death of area amenities. This is actually an extremely common case. Through the 1970s, 1980s, and 90s, there were many residential communities planned around a golf course. The residential properties backing onto the golf course were sold at a premium. They had large backyards, and the large open spaces behind those homes were a beautiful thing to look at. Golf courses were being built at a feverish pace. We now have an oversupply of courses fueled by the infamous National Golf Foundation's edict to build a course a day to keep up with demand. Fast forward to today, and the demand isn't there. Oversupply causes price drops and business failures in any industry. Golf is no exception. As some private clubs have faced declining membership, many previously private clubs have started opening their doors to daily players, some of them changing entirely to a semi-private model. This has had the effect of increasing golf course competition dramatically in some markets where the amount of available golf has jumped 20 or 30 percent literally overnight. Much of that latent oversupply was hidden behind private memberships. As we've talked about on the show previously, some golf courses are being sold and redeveloped as development land. But in reality, many golf courses go through a period of decline long before being redeveloped. How many? Well, about 2,000 golf courses to be exact in North America have closed down in the past 12 years, to put a number on it. That's a lot of golf courses. In fact, with that many closures, these courses quickly fall into disrepair. The once beautiful view out your back window is now replaced by a weed-infested, swampy mosquito pit. The impact to your property value is swift and steep. Any buyer for your home will want to know what's going to happen to the golf course. In the meantime, if there's uncertainty, the resale value of your property is impacted. If the golf course is sold for redevelopment, then your property is going to be negatively impacted as well. Some of these courses are very large and span hundreds of acres. And when you're looking out your back window at the beautiful green fairways, it's easy to think it'd be great to get outdoors and take a nature walk. But the business of golf is not very environmentally friendly. The perfectly green shortcut fairways are the result of some pretty harsh and toxic chemistry. The new environmental regulations in a lot of jurisdictions have increased the pressure and costs on some operators. Some chemical treatments have been outright banned, leaving only costlier and sometimes less effective alternatives. As both the public and governments have become more aware of the serious health effects of pesticides, their use has become much more regulated. For example, where I live in Ontario, you can't use certain pesticides, called Class 9 pesticides, to kill weeds and insects on certain areas such as lawns and gardens. But there is an exemption for golf courses if certain conditions are met. They're allowed to use them on the tees, the fairways, the greens, and some of the roughs. But before you can use the pesticides, You've got to be registered by an approved integrated pest management body. You've got to receive accreditation for integrated pest management by the second anniversary of the time that you use these pesticides on your golf course. And then you've got to prepare an annual Class 9 pesticide use report and post it on a public website. And you've got to hold public meetings to present the annual report publicly. I'm not going to go into all the details of what the annual report needs to contain, but suffice to say the requirements are pretty substantial. There's more effort 
to document the use of a pesticide than the actual application of them. Let's be clear, I'm in favor of a clean environment. The point of this is that if you're in the business of golf, your job just got harder and more expensive at a time when you're experiencing falling revenue. So what does this mean for you as an investor? It means that buying an operating golf course as a distressed asset for its value as a golf course could represent a very low cost way to land bank. You could be buying development land with a modest income stream to carry the land during the entitlement process. Once your project's entitled, you can build the infrastructure including the roads and utilities and from there you can sell the parcels of entitled land to home builders who will do the heavy lifting. When you redesign a golf course into a neighborhood, you can definitely design in green space and open spaces behind the properties that used to back on the golf course. It does not need to be a disaster for those property owners. Much of the profit will in fact be embedded in the land sale to the home builders. If you know of a golf course that's having a hard time, this may be the kind of project for you to consider. So you're thinking about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. We'll talk to you again tomorrow.